Lucy. And I'm Linnea. And you're listening to First Impressionists, where we talk about all things art. hadn't noticed we have a special guest this week so yes. that's exciting hello um, hello <laughs> um everyone we've got hmm. keaton evans on the air today <laughs> i don't know that was me that was me by the way. Uh, <laughs> um and we're super excited to have our first guest i think it's gonna be fun yes yes you're the first guest Holy welcome smacks. yeah you're that quinn no yeah. it's <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to ask if he's been on this. Okay. Cool. No, you're the first guest. Yes. Which, Aww. not too much pressure. Just a little bit, though. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you probably haven't listened to our previous episodes, mm. but there's not pressure. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, so okay. just kind of show up. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, but we're excited. So, Keaton, mm. um, could you introduce yourself a little bit? Who are you and what are you doing here? <laughs> so, yeah, um, I just broke into this apartment and they were like, hey, we're doing recording <laughs> and we really need a guest. So we were wondering, could you, you know, could you be a part of this recording? And I was like, well, I'm here to steal stuff, but, you know, that works too. So here I am. No, <laughs> that's not true. Um, yeah, I'm from Anchorage originally. I've lived in Alaska most of my life. Um, let's see, what is there to say? Um, yeah, I don't know. I've lived in Fairbanks for like two winters now and I love doing art. I'm, I'm horrible at it, but I think that gives me a good perspective on, um, like, I don't know, the effort that goes into it. Um, and I think that's really important when observing mm-hmm. art and yeah, I love, I love talking about art. I love sadly talking more about it than actually doing it mm. but you know here we are that's how I feel about reading sometimes I feel like I run out of books to talk about because I just like talking about them so much but I'm like mm. yeah it's not I feel good that. yeah that's fair yeah that's I feel fair. that do you know like yeah. what got you into art when yeah. did you start loving it let's see um I think the thing that really like got me into art was when I was uh living in London I went to the um what is it the national art gallery and i saw like a thousand paintings of jesus and i was like this is cool and then i turned a corner and i saw sunflowers by van gogh and i was like oh, wow. this is incredible <laughs> and that there was like six in the museum and i was like wow this is and just like the contrast between like the classical art that you were seeing and then like his art has just it was incredible i i yeah, I fell in love, and I was like, this is amazing. And then I looked more into his story, and I ended up reading his 1,000-page biography, and <laughs> he has quite the story. And, um, yeah, for anybody that's read that, it's a doozy. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's really what got me started, and I started looking to a bunch of different artists, and then I started getting into William Turner, started looking more into uh, James Ensor just recently, um, which, as you were saying, he has <laughs> very interesting work. Um <laughs> 
but yeah, you know, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Van Gogh's. Really, what got it started for me, mm-hmm. and I love like impressionists like Renoir, uh, Monet, uh, Degas, especially getting to see a Degas in person. Is okay, we're gonna have to do a follow up episode about Degas. <laughs> super, super good. Um, yeah, have you guys not talked about Degas yet? No. Actually, we, he might come up later in the episode. Okay, yes. okay, cool. We'll Sweet. see what happens. Oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, you know, just reading a bunch, uh, trying my hand at, at painting and, and being like, wow, there's so much to this. Um, and just, you know, reading about art history. I've, I've gotten a few art history books that I've like delved into. And I love talking about like what makes art because it's very interesting to talk about. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it Definitely. is. Yes. We've touched on that a bit. and. Okay. I don't know if we really got anywhere, but we tried. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, no, that's fair. That that's sounds why, about right. That's why it's a good conversation is because you can have it a lot of times. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's a little bit about me. You know, I've done some drawing, done some painting. Um, I haven't done much outside of that. More filmmaking would be more of like the art hmm. that I like to mm-hmm. do. So yeah. I've, mm-hmm. I've been able to do that a little bit uh, when I lived in Australia, but um, now I'm here in Alaska and I'm... I'm actually getting back into it, so this is kind of a little kickstarter. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, so do some doodles here and there, but yeah, I probably should stop tapping the table. (laughs) 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 So that's my life. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, our first episode, so Lucy and I talked about our favorite paintings of all time. So this feels like a good just introduction to the guest is talking about your favorite painting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or a favorite. I don't yeah. know if this is your favorite favorite. No. Yeah. Do you think you have a favorite favorite? Uh, no. Okay, well, so. that's, fair. that's fair. I actually created a list. So when you guys said that I was going to be on your podcast, I was like, I have a list of paintings. <laughs> okay. I, I specifically, um, here we go. Um, yeah, I have a list. There we go. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I don't know where it is, but I have a list. But yeah, it's like all my favorite artists, like, some of my favorite paintings from those artists. Mm. So, and this is my favorite one of Jacques Louis David. Okay, so this is called the Death of Socrates. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, Linnea, can you describe it a little bit? Sure. Oh, yeah. So this painting was done. When was the French Revolution, you guys? I don't know. Seventeen eighty nine. Yeah. Seventeen eighty nine. Seventeen eighty nine. Well, okay, we don't know. I don't know when this exactly was done, but uh, it was during that time. Okay. Uh, during the French Revolution um, by, can you guys say his name? I should not be the one describing this. I, th- <laughs> I, I think I've heard someone say it's like Jacques, Jacques Louis, Louis David. 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 Yeah. David. Okay. Who I'm assuming was a revolutionary. Uh, or it, just a guy who... He was pro-revolutionary, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. okay. So the painting is a depiction of the death of Socrates, which I uh, guess basically... Um, Socrates was like on trial for corrupting the youth and then in this time when you got given the death penalty you could basically drink poison yourself Hmm. and so he's about to drink poison and his followers are like no don't do it fam and one guy (laughs) (laughs) yes that's exactly what they're saying they're like weeping against the walls and stuff um Mm -hmm. And Socrates is very resolute. Yes. So um, they're in kind of a what looks like a a prison room. I yeah, guess there's, there's some like, chain links on the wall. Um, light coming in through the window, and it's kind of illuminating Socrates and uh, some of his followers mm. who are just like gathered around his bed, and um, 
Yeah. The, the framing of this painting is really interesting. There, on the left side, there's this back room with people in it, and mm. you can barely see them. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, mm. Keaton, do you want to share what you yeah, like? Yeah, why do you like painting? this painting? Yeah, so um, there is a really good video by a YouTuber named NerdWriter1 who created a uh, kind of like a case study of why he really likes the painting. And some of his observations kind of help cement why I like the painting. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that I like most about it is just how defiant Socrates is. Mm. And um, one of the things that you'll notice is Socrates has very like sharp angles uh, mm -hmm. to his posture where most of his disciples are more curved. So like they have like slouched positions. Mm. There, it's less of like a defiant pose between them as much as it is like giving into what's happening. Mm. Uh, I see a lot of, uh, I think I see a lot of Christian parallels in there, you know, because like if you have to die for the truth, which he believed he was dying for the truth, if you mm. also have to die for the truth, like the defiance that you have to have in order to die for the truth. Mm. Another thing that I noticed that's really cool, uh, which was also pointed out, is if you look over on the left side of the painting, this character yeah. is thought to be Plato. Really? Mm -hmm. oh. Which is the disciple of uh, Socrates. And there is this idea that because all of this is taking place behind Plato, this is a memory that Plato is having. So it's Whoa. like, yeah. So like the way that he's like framing it, you'll notice he's the only one that's like... He's, like, not completely overwhelmed by despair, but he's kind of just hanging his head like that. He also yeah. seems like, even though he's, like, like touching the bed and everything, mm. he seems very separate yes. from the scene. Yes. Yeah. And so that's a really kind of, like, a cool little Whoa. hint. Not yeah. only that, but the use of color. So you'll notice that they're draped in similar colors where everyone yep. else is draped mm. in, like, reds or blues or yellows. And so there's like that connection there. Yeah. Color-wise. Interesting. Um, yeah. There is a fun little note. If you look, which I don't know if we can see it on here, but if you look at the original painting, there is the or the signature of Jacques-Louis David underneath, kind of on the step stool that the guy is sitting on that has his hand on Socrates. Mm -hmm. And uh, some interpretations of the painting say that he is like identifying with that particular person like if he was in this scenario that's what Jacques Louis David would be doing he'd be like trying to support Socrates oh. and he's, he's the one that has his hand on his leg and he's like I'm here for you bro that's what he literally would have said <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I don't know it's like there's there's so much like going on in mm. this piece and just like the I, really, it's just the defiance of the piece itself that just stands out from so many other pieces. Um, and I love that the the chalice and like his hand hovering over the chalice is like the centerpiece. Mm. Like that's like the oh, center focus of the painting. Yeah, pretty much all comes like Ooh, yeah. right there. Um, but yeah, so it's like he's accepting that, and he's he's not cowering. He's not, and it's it's true to real life. He didn't do any of that either. But. Um, yeah, he's accepting his fate and he's standing mm -hmm. for truth. And I'm like, that inspires me uh, in the way that the artist, uh, completely removed from his art, no, I'm just kidding, um, <laughs> the artist <laughs> is like, yeah, he, he's just showing an act of defiance and that in turn like shows me 
like I can learn from that in a way and it inspires me uh, to kind of stick up for those ideals as well the people in the background yeah this okay so What's this is those guys? this is another fun thing so one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve there are 12 people oh Whoa. so there's symbolism to the 12 disciples and <laughs> uh, Jesus wow so he used numbers specifically to like represent that which people would have known and would have you know, right. internally recognized. So, mm, that's so um, interesting. Yeah, I saw this when I was at the Met in New York, and I was like, among other paintings, and I saw it like in the distance in a different room, and I immediately just ran over to it. Oh, wow. that's just, so cool. Yeah, it was. It's amazing. It's a lot smaller than you'd expect, though. You'd expect a painting like this to be, you know, yeah, normal mm. size. It's yeah, like, it's like this big. It's like two by three feet. Wow. I know. I'm just. <laughs> I'm uh, for those who can't see. I'm, I'm which is everyone. I'm doing like, <laughs> I'm doing my hand motions, and I'm like, wait a second, that doesn't work. So, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I really like really it. Cool. Yeah. So he shows a lot of defiance in his work. If you look at Napoleon's portrait, which mm. I'm not quite sure, like the official title of that painting, mm. but when he's on his horse, like that's yeah. also a really defiant pose. And right. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. super interesting thinking about this, like that he was painting this in the midst of a revolution, mm. and that like. I don't know. I just think it's a cool it's a cool subject matter. And yeah, yeah. super interesting. All these hidden things I would not have even known. There you go. <laughs> also interesting because I think Plato wrote down, is the one who wrote yes. about the death of Socrates. Yeah. So there's yeah. like that tied into it mm-hmm. as well. Wow. Yep. Um, side note, it's yeah. called Napoleon Crossing the Alps. Okay. Okay. Sweet. If people want to look it up. Yes. Um... But yeah, that's yeah. that's one that I really like. That's one of it's really hard to narrow down like right your favorite right. painting, but that is true. Um, yeah, very I, cool. Yeah. Very cool. It's yeah. very different from the ones that Linnea yeah. and I chose. So really? it's really fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's cool seeing what different art lovers love about art mm-hmm. because yeah. yeah, already just between the three of us, <laughs> yeah, it's so it's different. Quite a lot. Nice. Of, yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, okay, and yeah, let's also talk about an artist that you mentioned earlier, James mm. Azor. Yeah. Because now we have to talk about Get it because I've not seen it and I don't <laughs> understand yep. what is going on. Tell us everything. Okay, so very different than Jacques-Louis David, uh, James Ensor was actually a Van Gogh type. So he mm. was a Belgian artist that um, was really just like trying to prove his worth he was trying to show people that he was yeah he actually took it a step further than a lot of people did he would literally depict christ in his paintings because he viewed himself as the savior of belgian art and the redeemer of belgian art yeah kind of like the kanye west of belgian art yeah exactly (laughs) that's a good that's a good description (laughs) um but he would um like never leave his uh, upper room apartment like he was in there for most of his life just hashing out paintings he was very sensitive to what critics thought of him which at the time if you look at his art he's he predates modernism like he was late 1800s wow but he's doing stuff that you would see in you know the mid 1900s wow yeah yeah so like it's a lot like william turner so william turner was uh, uh predominant in the 1840s he was doing impressionist work like 12 to 16 years before impressionists. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this James Ensor is yeah. late 1700s. Late 1800s. Late 1800s. Yeah. Um, he yep. is his paintings. Lucy, do you want to describe a little bit of what you see? <laughs> 
Just like generally, kind of, mm. what's the vibe? <laughs> um, yeah, what is the vibe? <laughs> um, I definitely, I do see the Van Gogh influence hmm. in um, his painting style, but the colors are are very different. They're mm. much more, um, they're like washed out pastels, like you'd mm. see at a carnival. Like when the tent has been out in the sun for a long time, that's what it reminds me of. Which makes sense because there's a lot of masks and clown faces and costumes. Mm. Um, skeletons. Yes, mm. a lot of skeletons. Um, it seems like facade is a really big theme for him. Mm. Um, it's They're also pretty like jam-packed and convoluted. There's oh, one I'm looking at. Yeah. Um, called Entry of Christ into Brussels. Mm, and yep. it's okay, what's going on very with that? complex. Yes. So, fun fact about that one. That one actually is the size of a wall. Um, oh, wow. He could only work on it at sections at a, at a time. He couldn't do the whole thing at once. Uh-huh. So that's why if you look at it, there are... Uh, yes. And I think that is... Let's see. That's one of them. Um... The, oh, he's riding a donkey. Yep. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't even notice that. There's one if you... Yeah, this one specifically. Like, that's the full That's the full view. Oh. Um, oh, okay. There's a lot of different sections going on. Yeah. So, like, it, it's Weird. hard to... It's hard to, like, see how it comes okay, together as okay. a whole. Okay, okay. Yeah. There's, like... Uh, kind of the scene in the middle is... Christ, I guess, entering Brussels, and you see, like, it's almost like a marching band or a parade, mm. and then Jesus is in the middle, and then off to one side, there's, like, a weird thing going on, <laughs> yeah. where there's, like, a couple clowns, and a green field, maybe, and then on the other side, it just is, it looks kind of disjointed. It is, and I think that's mostly in part to the the different sections at different yeah, times. Yeah, okay. So, okay. Um, and then you just kind of combine them all together. But if you'll notice, I don't know how well you could see Christ in the painting, but he looks very similar to the artist. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So a lot of biographers of his uh, talk about how he just had this desire to revive Belgian art. He just just needed to do this, and he felt like he was basically the chosen one of Belgian art. It's so weird. Is that (laughs) him? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what this painting is called, but there's... One painting where there's a bunch of masks, um, and then there's just one man with no mask in the middle, and it, it, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, there's another one that I just need to briefly bring up, where there's two skeletons, and they're trying to eat the same thing, and one of them has a free hat. Is that... That's not pizza. No. <laughs> that was my first that's, that's actually a pickled herring. Oh. Um, and a really weird interpretation, and I'm trying to remember how they got to this is that those two are critics and he is the pickled herring and he is like the lifelike thing that they're trying to pull apart. They're pulling apart him and his art and they're fighting over it. It's a very weird interpretation and I'm, I can't really remember the details, unfortunately. Interesting. Um, but yeah, he was... He he would really rip into his critics because he's not only like... Uh, well, he thought he was Well, he, was, he thought he was the yeah. savior. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, so if anybody disagreed, he's like, well... <laughs> Actually, <laughs> well, you're wrong. Um, he would do some interesting uh, works. Like, if you think that's crazy, uh, and for um, I guess sensitive listeners, uh, there was a lot of defecating in some of his works. Yeah, he wow. would he would do character or what is it? Not caricatures, but um, he would do 
Is it caricatures where you have like... Like a cartoony face? Yeah, more like a cartoon. Like an or exaggerated like... version of someone? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Caricatures. He would do that. And then he would also have... Um, he would do stuff like this. This was like some of his early work. It's obviously oh. blurry, but um, oh, wow. yeah, a woman sitting at a table. That is very, a stark contrast. Very stark contrast. Almost uh, like Picasso-esque how different yeah. it is. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So interesting. Yeah, so that was more of his early wow. work. And then he really like stepped into this mask phase. He actually grew up uh, where his uh, relatives owned a shop that was like an antique slash mask shop. So he grew up oh. surrounded by this kind of kind of weird culture and he incorporated it into his art that is interesting yeah so um i stayed in a hotel that had art exactly like this on the walls did you oh yeah oh yikes yeah it was horrible uh that's a weird hotel Uh, was it in in belgium it was in germany i I can't remember the name oh man if i ever go to germany i'm gonna ask for a heads up no no offense to anyone listening that loves james ensor because you know okay well so what draws you to james ensor so, this is a little bit of a, a rabbit trail, but I'm uh, writing a story that has to do with um, people who are isolated. This was before COVID, and <laughs> I just want to make that very clear. So thanks for stealing that idea, COVID. But <laughs> I was creating an idea uh, where you have autonomous beings, and then you have this like secret society that basically runs everything. So everybody thinks that they were born alone, they're supposed to live alone, and then that's human existence. It's just hmm. being alone, self-sustaining. And this little society that isn't like that is like controlling, they're pulling all the strings. But the reason (laughs) that uh, I like the masked paintings is because it reminds me of an idea I have for the society. Basically, because they intermarry so much in this like really controlled society, they start looking really messed up. So in order to preserve their elite status, which they're a group of elitists, they have to wear masks to disguise their hideous deformities. Oh, wow. And so, yeah, it reminds me a lot of these kind of um, paintings because that's exactly how I envisioned um, what the society would look like. They have these really creepy-looking masks, and it just hides the deformities that are underneath, which if you look at this one particularly, uh, it's the title of it is... Um, Something. <laughs> the Company of Masks? Is that the title? The Intrigue. It's The Intrigue. Oh, okay. Um, and that's, okay. yeah, that's the full. Uh, that's the full. Right. You'll notice if you look at the masks, he very purposefully blends or blurs the line between mask and face mm, to where uh-huh. they just basically are their faces. Um, the baby in this one is oh, so no, creepy. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. he had, that was actually a recurring thing is... Um, in his paintings too were like creepy dolls okay. so yeah fun times probably wow. not <laughs> definitely not the um i imagine the impressionists you have been <laughs> talking about uh but he really is like a pusher for modernism yeah and he was years before they started yeah doing i would like not this. have guessed that was late 1800s yeah you're like what the heck so yeah um, no, it really is interesting true. though yeah like i don't think i've seen what I hang this like in my his. house? You mm. couldn't pay me enough. No, but it is. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I have seen paintings like it in that hotel. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but those I did not look at. Yeah. So from a from a story perspective, I really I draw a lot of inspiration from his paintings because mm. it kind of it has a lot to do with the story that I'm writing uh, right now. But um, 
But yeah, some of his other ones, like the defecating ones, I'm like, wow, this is this is a lot. Um, <laughs> this is a lot. And he did, yeah. yeah, death was a common theme to him. He used it loosely, and sometimes he took it seriously, sometimes he didn't. It was mm. kind of tricky because it wasn't this thing like he has a fear of death, so he like starts to incorporate it in his work. He's like, sometimes he dresses death up like a clown, like he makes death mm. like a funny thing, you know. So he has a very weird relationship to death, um, and. Part of the reason for that is uh, he lived in a seaside Belgian town where there were battles that happened hundreds of years prior. Hmm. And you could find skeletons on the beach just walking around. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. So he wow. would just walk around and then you'd find, you know, a skull or a few bones. That's so interesting. So, like, technically it was incorporated into his life from an early age uh, there, too. So. Did he have friends? Mm, yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he... Um, just he, wondering, like, did he just sit alone by himself all the time and mull these things over i think a little bit he probably did but he he had a few friends he actually was a part of an art group um ironically enough uh, an art group that van gogh similarly really wanted to be a part of him and gogan down in the south of france he wanted Uh to start that artist colony gogan and him did not get along (laughs) (laughs) hence the cutting off of the ear and all that uh, he actually didn't give it to a prostitute just to give it to a prostitute. He gave it to a prostitute to give it to Gogan to be like, this is what happens really? when you leave me. Yeah. 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 It was all about the the friendship between, well, the friendship between them oh. um, now, and its deterioration. Gauguin, is he the one that painted the... Whoa, what did he paint? Did he? Is Nothing he the good. One you, can't, you can't like him if you like Van Gogh. Yeah, he's like. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, I see. Did he paint? Is he the one that went to the South Pacific? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. We all have to do an episode on him too. Okay. Yeah. Have yeah. <laughs> fun with that. Do not so, okay, like that okay. guy. I don't like him either yeah. because okay, this I is a total aside. <laughs> but like, it's kind of upsetting because he's just painting these like young. Women yeah, who he also taking had like advantage three or of four wives, and he gave all of them syphilis. Yikes! Yeah. yeah, but it's like in the in the paintings you can see how you can. It's like he is painting the depravity of his situation almost. Hmm. Like mm. all the women look super sad. Yeah, and yep. horrible. Yeah, and yeah. it's like he knows what he's doing is yeah. super scummy. Hmm. So it's kind of interesting to me in that. Yeah, way. that is so, interesting. Um, separating the art. From the <laughs> Nice. Uh, yeah, nice transition. That's, our, that's our question today. Yeah. Since Can you we're separate of these great examples. The art from the artist. Mm. Um, another tough question mm. for another day. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just say that. I'm going to take that position. I think, and I think the reason for that philosophically is you cannot view objective reality without a subjective perspective. Say that five times fast. And I think the same is true with art. When you are interpreting the world around you through your art, I think it's impossible to do it without some level of subjectivity, which you are represented in that. Mm. Okay. It's not conclusive, though, so it's open to... It's not conclusive. That felt pretty conclusive, (laughs) Well, I've thought about it a little bit, but I'm open to... Mm. Let's let's debate this. Let's just... Why am I wrong? I don't... Okay, I don't think you're wrong. This is bad. We should have had somebody... Do you think he's wrong? Yes. I I don't know. See, mm. I'm I feel like I'm always on the fence about this because mm. part of me thinks when you put your art out into the world, it's what people interpret it as and it's not really your own anymore. Um but I think there's also a big morality question here. Mm-hmm. Um first of all, 
is morality relative? And so are we just going to forgive people who lived 200 years ago for doing yeah. things that we know are wrong now? Yeah. Um, which, mm. that's tricky because I think... We would lose a lot I of think, good art I if we did that. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. I think that morality is not relative. I think morality is absolute. Hmm. But people can be unaware and can evolve over time and maybe just not hmm. not see certain parts of morality or they're so ingrained in culture that maybe you just don't recognize they're immoral. So it's um, ignorance to morality basically. Yes. Okay. And over time, we learn more things um, hmm. and hmm. sort of identify those things, which is why people like Kevin Spacey um, are not in the film industry anymore. Because yeah. those things that we used to just kind of ignore because yeah. they were culturally okay Even though they're are not, not okay anymore. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so I think it's kind of up to each person to decide, okay, am I going to watch things with Kevin Spacey in it or am I not? How okay yeah. with this am I yeah. going to be? Hmm. Um, yeah. Man, That's I was fair. not ready for this to get so philosophical. <laughs> yeah, right. I need some more tea. Just like boom, morality. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Hmm. Yeah, I think this question has gotten way more complicated in the last couple of years. Either that or like before the last couple of years, I just wasn't aware that there were like <laughs> constantly things popping up where we're like, well, now we can't watch a ton of movies or right. listen to a ton of music mm. because... Well, I think the more we move away from that ignorance of morality, the more complicated that question mm. becomes. And so, yeah, I mean, there's there are so many more things now that we are aware this is not okay mm. and people shouldn't do this. And so, okay, now that we recognize that, what do we do with it? Mm. Um I don't want to go too much into cancel culture. I was just about I'm to like, say, oh. we're about to discuss cancel culture. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it's weird. I yeah. feel like that doesn't happen nearly as often in the art world. And maybe it's just because film and television are, or and even books are discussed a lot more widely yeah. than classical art. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. So I don't know. Also, I think that, we but... have this vision of the tortured artist, like maybe a little bit more with. Mm. art mm. like that they're just gonna be kind of messed up people a little oh, bit like, like we accept, we accept it reality. a little bit more yeah. I'm not sure that. yeah hmm. but then again you will never ever find a perfect person so if we just say well we're not gonna consume this art anymore because they did this then we're not gonna be left mm. with very much art mm. I I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stir the pot a little bit okay. so go, um, go. I don't know if I should <laughs> <laughs> I definitely want to stir the pot. So there was a period uh, back in the 1930s. Um, there was a certain mustached man who got rid of a lot of art because it oh. went against uh, certain ideals. And uh, James Ensor was one of them. Uh, oh. Edward Munch was one of them really? because mm -hmm. he saw it as degenerate art. He didn't, they didn't necessarily like see like, oh, the artist is a bad person, which, you know, newsflash, so we are, we're all sinful. Um, but like, <laughs> so it's literally, literally, if you were to do that, you'd have to cancel everyone. I'm sorry. That's just my personal belief. Yep. Um, but, um, which again, not justifying any of those actions, but just like the art itself, which is interesting because then it's like, then there is some level of separation between the art and the artist. 
Um, but yeah, this I don't know. I I, I get vibes from <laughs> from the 1930s, and it's not good when you get vibes again, from the 1930s because yes. it's like suddenly you are doing away with a lot of art that is very powerful mm-hmm. and very moving and very um, to say nothing of their historical significance of understanding those times. Like you know, this is art that that inspires this is art that teaches this is art that shows this is art that allows us to empathize and i think one of the purposes of art maybe not the main but one of the purposes of the art at least to me is to be able to empathize with the people or the artist in that time Mm -hmm. which they are able to express so clearly in their art through that that i'm like wow i can step into their shoes which i wouldn't be able to do that unless they had created something like this Right. You know, so to get rid of that is to get rid of a level of empathy that you might have for the past mm-hmm. and to also lose part of that past, which I think is a very terrible thing. We yeah. That. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's interesting. I think one of the things we've been talking a lot about on the show is like mm. the human side of art. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right that if we if we don't allow for the depravity of mm. humanity, mm-hmm. um, if we just kind of cut that out of the art world, I guess, mm-hmm. um, we're going to be missing a huge side of humanity because yeah. Yeah. we like to think that it's isolated to a few people, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we're learning that more and more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. um, Good old James Ensor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I think, I think that's a good point. I think if, if you just get rid of everything that's bad, then that's not really a complete picture of humanity anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm. yeah. Also, how can you learn from something that you forget? You can only re- you can only really learn from things that you remember, right? And, yeah. You know the saying, "History repeats itself." Well, repeats itself if you forget it. So, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, that's, that's another true. thing that's really important in remembering. Yes, mm. that's true. We don't want to repeat this kind of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and. Um, yeah, so like in that, I firmly believe you can't separate the artist from the art. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I know I said the reverse <laughs> in the beginning, um, but wait, I'll explain. Wait, wait, that you can or you can't. Can't. You said you, you said at the beginning you can't. I switched my. I changed my mind. <laughs> I'm so confused. You said at the beginning. Did you say at the beginning that you can or that you can't? You have to listen. Okay. <laughs> you have to listen to it. You have to go back and listen. Like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said you can't, which now I'm saying you can. <laughs> I don't know. Why? I feel like you just said the opposite. Did though. I just say the opposite? Okay. okay. Here's it's what like, I think. I think this is what we're getting at. Okay. You, so I think what's hard is when people say, okay, well, yes, I know this person did this horrible thing, mm. but like the art that they made still has value. Mm. And so, and you should just take the art aside from what they did and just look at the art. Mm. So I think that's maybe not the right approach because, I mean, like you were saying, art, so much of how we understand it and how we contextualize it, and honestly, I think what gives it value is the person, the humanity Mm. behind it. So you, I think it's the wrong thing to ask people to enjoy the art despite what the person did and more to view the art connected to the person and say, okay, well, what, like you were saying, like, what yeah. can we learn from this? Yeah. Or like, what does this show us about 
humanity. Like mm-hmm. I was saying with Gauguin. Am I saying that right? Go, yeah, Gauguin and Gauguin. Gauguin. Yeah, Gauguin. I think bye it's Gauguin. Bye-bye, Gauguin. He go. He, he go. He's go going. He's go gone. <laughs> there he go went. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I if, hope he go goes. Okay. <laughs> if we just... <laughs> if we just look at his... If, we're, if you're being asked to look at his art and yeah. be like, oh, I like this because it's good art, which I know you don't think it is. I don't know how I feel about I, it. People um, like it. <laughs> that's, I think that's because important. it's good art. Yeah. Um, is it high art, though? There is a question for you. Is it <laughs> um, no. Like... <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just saying something. Anyway. Uh, um, if yeah. you're being... If you're looking... If you're being asked to look at it and say, okay, well, just push aside everything you know about him as a mm. person and just enjoy that this is art, I think you miss what like I value in his paintings. Like Mm -hmm. I was saying that you miss the fact that he was a messed up dude and he knew it. You know what I mean? And like, Mm -hmm. for me, that's why I think that's why, I don't know. That's what I appreciate about about Gauguin. Even I I don't know if I like his art or not, but like I appreciate it for that fact that you can see someone who seems self-aware in their own just horrible messed upness Hmm. um but if you were to say well just okay we know he was a bad dude but like he made this important art we would miss that too Hmm. so we're not separating the art from the artist but we're also not canceling the art because Hmm. we don't like what the artist did yeah that doesn't seem helpful either right Hmm. that makes sense Hmm. yeah yeah and i think uh kind of in line with that is this idea that um, in the separation between the art and the artist, whatever degree of separation there is, it's uh, I think it's really valuable and important that um, the the art isn't reflective purely of the artist. Like the artist isn't the subject of their art mm-hmm. necessarily. And this mm-hmm. is different. This is different than like portraits because obviously it's literally them. But right. like. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm like building bridges where there are no bridges, but I, f- I feel like in uh, philosophy, we're seeing a transition or we've been seeing a transition where humanity is the center, this, this humanism of like, man is the most important thing. Hmm. And to see that reflected in art, it's suddenly the artist is the most important thing rather than the art that they are creating, hmm. which is interesting. And I feel like to a certain extent, this attention that's poured onto the artist rather than the art kind of defeats the purpose of creating art to a certain extent. Mm. It's almost like mm. when the artist creates, and this is generalization, but like when the artist creates, they are pouring themselves into what they make, but it's mm. not them. It's mm. something else that they're making, right. which is really weird because it's almost a paradox. Right. You could do a landscape and a lot of yourself is in that, but like the subject isn't necessarily you, mm-hmm. you know, which is weird because mm-hmm. then you get into portraits and you're like, okay, well, if they paint a picture of themselves, then it's literally them. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's still their vision and their version of themselves. It's not them. True. That is true. Yeah. And is so then you can, you can look yes. at it and see how did this person see themselves Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I don't right. know, adds a, another interesting layer than just to say, well, this is a picture of a 
Yeah. Right. Just the like artist. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why we have self portraits. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. It's like how like they see Enzor mm-hmm. as yep. Christ coming into Brussels. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> say that's like literally that. him. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, you know, and I, I think that whether it's society that reflects art or art that reflects society, you know, when we see art where, or I, I guess when the artist becomes the subject, there is a danger of, of which this is a whole different topic like, <laughs> that we could probably go on about, but like when the artist itself becomes the center or the focal point of the art, then I feel like art kind of implodes a little bit, which I'm not saying that that's happened necessarily because my mind's technically drawing a blank. But uh, you see that in society. You see this this humanism. You see that I am the most important thing. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and reflected in art, art would implode because mm. it's always been about something else. It's always been about something else. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and like, which is so cool because like if you think about art in like a world like a, a universal perspective, it's literally man like worshiping something else, mm-hmm. which yeah. is either God or something else. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah. Um, don't know where that tangent came from, but I think good. it's a little yeah. bit of the separation of the art and the yeah. artist. No, that's but. interesting. Um, I don't know. That just reminded me of being like a freshman or sophomore English major hmm. and taking like intro literature classes. And the biggest mistake that everyone makes is saying, oh, Faulkner talked about this in this chapter instead of saying the narrator talked about this in this chapter. Hmm. And so I think it's really difficult for people to... I don't know, read a book the same way as looking at a painting and say, mm. oh, this is this is their vision or the world they're creating, but not literally the author. But I don't know. Mm. There's also so many parts of the person that creates it in the story that they create or the painting that they paint. So mm. I don't... <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this, but... I think you can never fully separate it, but sometimes, yeah, I don't know. I think sometimes people just completely combine them, which is also wrong. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Which is funny because like, what's right and wrong in art, right? You know? Mm. It's like, how, yeah. how do we define that? Which is, I mean, art, yeah. that's the beautiful thing about art. It's so subjective. Mm-hmm. Yet, there's a reason that people love certain paintings. Hmm. Right. Right? Right. And that's the paradox. Like, why do people love these paintings? Mm-hmm. As opposed to a drawing of a stick figure. Yeah. You know, which, which is interesting because depending on the purpose of the piece, the stick figure would have more love received than, like, a painting by Michelangelo. Because if a little kid, and again, way totally different tangent. The little kid is giving a picture of a stick figure to their parent. Mm-hmm. Like, that means so much to that parent. More mm. than that same adult going to a museum and seeing like, a Gauguin. <laughs> you know, I was thinking of like, yeah, like a Gauguin. Or, you know, like a Michelangelo or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. the importance of that to them is so much greater. So that's tricky because it's like, well, you know... I don't know. It's the intention behind the piece. Um, these very nebulous thoughts mm-hmm. with no conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> Help. <laughs> Throw a life ring in there. <laughs> like, drowning in my own thought. Okay, but yeah. Um, 
I like yeah, I like what you said, Lucy, because I feel like you know, um, and also you, Linnea. I feel like the there is some form of separation from the art and the artist, but like you can't completely separate mm -hmm. you know and it's cool because there's I, I feel like you kind of hit it on the head there's different degrees of separation depending on the art right you know right. so what would be an example of something where it's almost completely removed from the artist as opposed to something where you can like definitely see the artist in it hmm. that's a good question I might have to think about it for okay. a little bit and if I come up with an example yeah, okay. I'm not sure. I'll throw it in there. I know I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually trying to think of that right now. Um, something where something's completely separated. Yeah, or almost completely separated. Yeah, I don't think it. Well, I think it's I up don't to think it ever can. I think it's up yeah. to us how much we choose to separate it a little bit. Hmm. hmm. Or maybe well, it's like how much the artist is reflected in it, but. Yeah. Oh man, I just thought of an example and then it escaped me. Hold on. Go I back, can do this. Go I can back, do this. Go back. <laughs> Say something else while I think of it. Okay. Um. um... <laughs> okay. Gun. Okay. Back to well. Okay. Back to Degas. Yeah. 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 Okay. Degas. Let's okay. freaking go. So, <laughs> I love Degas so much. Okay. Well. Okay. So here's where I struggle the most with this oh. idea, is with certain artists who I know had just a horrible view of women. I guess right. Gauguin is one of them. I don't yeah. know why I don't have a problem with it with Gauguin. Don't know. Because, well, because I think in Gauguin it's so obvious. Well, maybe it is in the other people, but like Picasso. Maybe it's the self-awareness. Maybe. Picasso. Oh, literally. Maybe. At least he understands that he's deplorable. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe it is. Yeah. Um, he held a woman prisoner. Not Gauguin. Yes. Picasso. He was a bad dude. Yikes. He he also, this is really bad. He forced his girlfriend to get an abortion and then painted her with babies for like a while. Oh my gosh. To get back at her. Or not Whoa. get back at her, but taunt her. Yeah. So then when I see, obviously he painted women a lot. Yeah. And it's really hard for me to see that. I guess it's valuable because he was a pioneer. Hmm. You can see in his paintings how he had a really, basically, I mean, he, in his paintings, kind of dehumanizes women. Mm. Yeah. He started cubism. Yeah, so something. that's important. <laughs> he also uh. could paint, high, like, very realistically, and then, like, another phase of his would be the two eyes on one side of his face. Yeah, like, he just went for it. Yeah. yeah. And Degas the same way. I don't know that he did, he had any, like, really bad things but he didn't like women at all and what freaks me out is that he doesn't really paint their faces oh yeah they're usually they're very they're usually turned away yeah or, like not detailed at all yeah yeah oh interesting yeah so i did not know that yeah. i mean I, I knew about the faces but not about the that he didn't like women yeah which is funny because that's literally 90 percent of what he does i know so that's <laughs> yeah. what's so weird is that he it's well i guess i guess you would call it objectifying but Ooh, Which ooh. is so weird because if you know nothing about Degas, you would see a painting of his and you'd be like, "Wow, yeah, the they're beautiful. In, yeah, they're the beautiful. And the the right. pose and right. the grace and the down to the very texture and detail of the dress. Like, you would be like, "Wow, he really mm. loved this subject." Mm -hmm. and but turns out he hated them. Well, yeah. I don't know that he hated hated them, but he didn't. He didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an interesting thing to like 
to to do. It'd be like Batman just painting bats. Like he adopted this is a really, <laughs> really weird example. But Batman adopted bats partially due to his fear of bats, right? Yeah. Mm. So it's like somebody going out and painting something that they just do not like. And listener, correct us if we're wrong. But like <laughs> like just like painting something you don't like that's so goofy to me because you think you would mm-hmm. want to paint things that you are passionate about or things that mm. stir maybe it stirred the wrong kind of passion in him mm. so it was just like or maybe it's just an exercise in the creation of art could some be. people create art for that purpose could be yeah 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 hmm. i don't know where i was going with that i think it's just like for me sometimes i can't i can't separate them like it's hard yeah. to but I think that's interesting, and it it I think it adds value to seeing art and interpreting art. Just like, hmm. so Keaton and I both love Van Gogh, mm-hmm. and knowing about his biography right. contributes yes. to oh, how yeah. we view the art. Mm-hmm. But it also gives Linnea a certain impression of Picasso, which maybe is different from someone who doesn't know his biography. But right. that doesn't mean I. I it adds layers to how you see Picasso. Yeah. So knowing his biography, you would probably look at one of his paintings differently than someone mm. who didn't know his biography or mm. maybe you didn't see a problem with him. So yeah, I think you I think it just means you interpret them differently. Yes. Yeah. That's true. I think you know what's really kinda cool is the example you gave about uh, Degas fits perfectly into this because if you didn't know anything about his backstory, which I know very little, I just know a bit of his art. If you don't know anything about his backstory, your interpretation of his paintings completely different yeah, than if you so true. knew about him. So you know? true. So thanks for ruining that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um, but yeah, you would interpret his paintings like you know, again, the style, the grace, mm-hmm. not knowing that he didn't like the subject matter. I think yeah. Sometimes it can go the other way around though, where you learn something about someone's life and it it makes you see more beauty in their art rather than more, right. like, grossness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think examples is, is like, Frida Kahlo and knowing mm-hmm. how hard mm-hmm. and horrible her life was and then her art is, like, so full of life. And it just... I think yeah. it gives you a greater impression of, like, her resilience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was a messed up dude. Salvador Dali. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there, in case you didn't know. Okay, okay, this is true. When you were saying earlier, mm. um, a mustachioed man from the 30s, I definitely was thinking of Salvador Dali. No way. Oh. Yes, I no, not, no, not that mustached man. No, I know. Oh. I, I, eventually, I got there. But at first, I was like, ah. We're talking about art. I mean, I guess... Other technically, yeah, I was gonna say, technically, yikes! Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I brought this up to Mo, my roommate at home, and I think she also mentioned that. So, so yeah. the, wait, mentioned the what? Hitler the Dolly Hitler. connection? No. No. I was like, no way. Was an artist. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's true. Uh, okay. Yeah, too bad the school couldn't accept him. Would have avoided a lot of mess there. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, no. Let's talk about high standards when it comes to arts. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. But yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, Dolly. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. We, we got here because we were talking about artists who denounce their art yes. later on. Which yes. is an interesting thing when you think about can you separate the art from the artist because obviously so Salvador Dali 
late in his life converted to Catholicism, I think. Some Christian I'll fact check it. thing. Um, do, 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 do. The fact check. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. We're going to have to keep that. Um, we might just need to get a soundbite of you doing that. You should just okay. come every week and just sit there in case we need to fact check. That'd stuff. be fun. Just wait. Yes. That'd be fun. Um, do, 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 do. <laughs> fact check. <laughs> he converted to Catholicism late in life. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. Okay, great. And he denounced his previous... Um, surrealism Mm -hmm. as being I mean he was like it's selfish it's self-indulgent it's just kind of like laughing in the face of like creation and goodness Mm. wow and um bold statements he was still crazy after the conversion just for the record he still did some wild stuff but um that's so interesting though imagine being remembered primarily for all the for stuff, the stuff that you he hated did before that you made. Mm-hmm. yeah because he's remembered for his surrealism definitely 100 yeah. percent. yeah um yeah so mm-hmm. what do we do with that like he actually asked us to separate him from that art mm-hmm. yeah we don't. whoa that's so true we yeah. still totally think of him and yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's so interesting mm-hmm. but we can't we can't. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, even if the artist's pure intention is for us to do that, we can't. Yeah. 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 Huh. So it's more than separating the art from the artist's intentions. It's the art and the artists are inseparable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if their intentions were not. Yeah. How we interpret it. Yeah. That's true. Sometimes. Maybe not always, but in that case... I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know what what to do with that. I think that I mean I think that kind of proves the point a little bit of in the extreme case of the artist literally saying I reject what I've done. Mm-hmm. You still can't separate them from their art. Yeah. Which yeah. kind of just proves a little bit of the point of there is there is some some connection between them. Even yeah. if it's minuscule, there's some little Yeah. A little bit of a, a little bit of a rub. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't describe it like that. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a connection there. It's like a little handle. It's like a little pinky. Yeah, yeah. Like two pinkies. Like the art has a pinky and the artist has a pinky. And it's just like, <laughs> like some cases are just holding pinkies. <laughs> just get that visual in your mind. <laughs> okay. Just imagine like a painting with a pinky and it's like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> You never know it's just improv to the max i think it's kind of for me it's a little bit encouraging Hmm. that we can't separate the art from the artist because it just shows like how important we understand like how important humanity is and how important i don't know like people are and their story Hmm. is Yes. Have you guys seen those super weird, like, AI-created paintings? Oh, no. I have. Yeah, oh, my yeah, yeah. gosh. They're so strange. They basically compile a bunch of classical paintings, and then AI creates, like, their own painting based on those, and they're terrifying. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'll look one up for and, you real quick. Yeah. Um, that's just super interesting to me, because it's... The painting and the technique without the humanity and the recognition of mm. humanity. I yeah. don't know. Like, they're interesting, but mm. it's not, yeah. it's definitely not the same. And I think there's a fundamental reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to live in a world where we, like, totally separated the 
create a thing from the person who created it. Like, I think that would yeah. just... I think that would just end... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like somebody took an oil painting and and just, like, smeared it with a napkin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like an upgraded version of an animal painting. But even then, there's <laughs> less human... Well, there's less, like, life to Right. It. And I think a, a human could take inspiration from a bunch of classical paintings and make something very <laughs> disturbing and surreal. But there's just something different about it's, this it's, there's no intentionality that's what it is yeah. Yeah. it's just like it's just study with no intention yeah or a, human vision yeah and in a really weird way i think it it shows that you <laughs> actually put some part of yourself physically into uh-huh. the painting mm-hmm. yeah there's either an essence of your spirit or there's an essence of your soul that's yeah. in the painting that you can't get from a robot yeah no yep exactly Which is really weird to think about one Very thing strange. that AI, the one job AI won't steal is art. So everybody, <laughs> switch your majors. <laughs> everybody, Get some artists. Art degrees. <laughs> the one thing they can never take over. Yeah. It's the art world. This is another one too. Oh no! Oh. No! Is that weird? So bad. Whoa! Wow. It sold for four hundred thousand dollars. Why, people? That's why? Crazy. Why? Why? I think. If we were able to completely separate the art from the artist, it would result in just, like, way more consumerism. You know what mm. I mean? Mm. Like, we would just be... It wouldn't be... Right. And that's what makes art... That's what makes why art is so valuable right. to people. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of art, too, is you our desire to connect with the artist. Mm-hmm. You know? So if we're not able to connect with anybody, then... I think art loses a lot of its value and a lot of its meaning. Right. I don't want to connect to an AI. There's no story. There's no life behind that. It's just... A robot that made it right but like being able to because you know at the end of the day try not to get too deep but at the end of the day we're all alone and we're all feeling oh. alone yeah right that's <laughs> <laughs> gonna go that angle it's so like art helps us to believe that we're not alone mm. <laughs> and we're able to like connect with people through art which yeah. i think goes back to the empathy kind of idea that we're able to empathize with them and be like hey they're not that different from me, except for the fact that they hated women, which is different than me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, very. I, I think, too, like, if, um, if we were to take out, like, just put aside all the art that was created by not-so-great folks, mm. we would lose the ability to, like, be self-reflective in that way mm. of, like, yeah, okay, this is, like... I mean, I think the capacity to be a terrible person is inside of all of us. And if we're not self-aware mm. enough about that and we don't allow ourselves to reflect on that, mm. um, we're going to lose something too. Yeah. So it's connecting us to our better side and our darker side. Mm-hmm. Like what the painting that we started with today, The Death of Socrates, you talked about how it connects you to like your your good side i guess yeah defiant uh, yeah, yeah. Defiant side, yeah. Mm-hmm. um but art like i mean I, well okay bad example but art like Degas helps us to realize like our capacity to dehumanize other people which we all have he just did it a lot um which is interesting because there's still so beautiful yeah yeah you know like yeah yeah. that's true that's so tricky yeah (laughs) like yeah it's dehumanizing knowing that he 
view them differently, but then also like, but the way that he does it, to be fair, doesn't really have faces, but like the way that he does it, that's not how it comes off. Yeah. To me, at least. I didn't yeah. interpret any of that until I knew. Mm-hmm. I never interpreted that as more dehumanizing. I viewed it more of like he's capturing the elegance of dancers. Like he's mm-hmm. capturing the elegance of it. Right. And the lack of face is almost like, to me, interpreting, again, before knowing what <laughs> was really the case, was more of he's capturing the nature and the essence rather than like a specific individual. He's capturing like. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More of like grace as a concept. Hmm. More like. Right. Um, that style as a concept rather than as a specific like this is Sheila yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that dancer had a name they got yeah yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. yeah um, yeah I mean that's why it's important I mean cause like that's true of ourselves too right but we can hide and we do hide like what is evil about us in all sorts of different ways yeah. yeah and it can come off as something good Mm. Um, which his art is beautiful like I do think yeah. it is mm. but there's just yeah. and that's the true of human beings we're beautiful and evil mm. yeah so I know we're like out of time but okay. I really want to just throw this idea <laughs> okay, out there um, I think that uh, we as people are works of art and that uh, just like the artist is purely themselves creating a piece we are the part of us is purely ourselves but what we present to other people is an artwork mm. so that mm. um how do i explain this better so that like how i present myself to you both how i present myself to people in my circles is not really who i am because mm. it's almost impossible to present myself completely 100 percent who i am right so like in that way we are pieces of art just like art reflects a part of the artist but it can't reflect all of the artist Mm. there's still elements hidden in there like Degas like you can't you can't when he creates something it's definitely a part of him and it's definitely part of who he is but there's so much that we don't see in that just like there's so much you don't know about me just by seeing what I present to you yeah not that I'm saying I'm a really shady person I can be but not like (laughs) like, (laughs) I'm not advocating for that but like I think just naturally how we give ourselves off is very similar to um Art. Yeah, and yeah. We are art pieces, and wow. art reflects life in that way. Yeah, absolutely. You're all works of art. Aww. <laughs> Thanks, Aww. Keaton. Yeah. Uh, let's end it there before yeah. we get dark again. <laughs> um, well, thanks for being on this week, Keaton. Yeah, thank, thank you for you. having me. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, it was could... so fun chatting yeah. with you and hearing about your favorite pieces. Uh, we'd love to have you on again. Some back anytime. I feel like we've opened many boxes <laughs> oh, yes. further into yes. it. So. Absolutely. Good. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate that. Thanks for <laughs> tuning in, everyone. And um, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Yep. Next week. Right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> or you know. <laughs> I don't know.